Do you often hear about a newsworthy court case and you think, wow, I'd really like to get into the bones of that, but you couldn't be asked? Are you the kind of student at law school that loves the law, loves the details, love the intricacies, but as lazy as sin? Well, I've discovered the podcast for you. I'm Grant Williams. And I'm James Dapache. And this is not just another podcast. Greetings, James. Greetings, James. You are the creator, presenter, and the energy behind Coffee and a Case Note. And I stumbled upon it because you are super, super active on LinkedIn. And I've got to be honest with you, most of the podcasts that I've discovered through LinkedIn are what I would call Chinese bat super. Not the kind of thing that you want to get into because it might make you sick. And yours is different. It's a risk. <laughs> Look, I can't argue that's a risk. Now, yours is different, James. Brief introduction. You're a lawyer at Chamberlain and Chamberlain's is in Sydney. First off, tell us about the practice and then I'll ask you some questions, but we'll yeah. avoid the tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, look, I'll just print out my CV for anyone for anyone listening. That's a, that's a, that's a really kind intro, Grant. Yes, look, I'm a lawyer here. The firm's called Chamberlain's. We like to say we're national, but what are we? We're Perth, Sydney, Newcastle, ACT, and we've got expertise for all jurisdictions. So there's a bit of a tap on the nose when we say national, but but in essence, we're a, a full service firm with a bit of a commercial sort of property. Bent and um, my role um, is that I'm what's called a, a commercial litigator or a corporate and commercial litigator. And so basically, that means that I do arguments, I do court work, and I do arguments about uh, contracts and agreements, and I do arguments about uh, what are we doing with the company? Are we doing what I want to be doing, or are we doing what you want to be doing? And if we're doing what you want to be doing, then how are we going to how are we going to reach some agreement about that? That's probably uh, the easiest way to explain um, to explain my role there. When you do a podcast like mm. this one, and you're selecting guests, it's always a fine line between what I want to know and providing value to the listener. And it's a new podcast, so we're still finding our listeners. James, I thought you would be a really great guest because a lot of service professionals and especially operating in the marketplace that operates above the sole practitioner or the, you know, five people in a in an office, you know, that capacity to serve, you know, you're, you're up a step, you know, maybe two steps in your firm to the kind of people who I often come across doing podcasts. And you have some really actionable tips. I'm sure you've probably never thought about it in this way, but the way you, well, the way I presume that you do your podcasts, uh, the way you produce them is a lesson for anybody in any business. Let's uh, let's start with that before we go back, because I do want to find out, out about your introductory career in the law and whatnot and how you got to, yeah. to where you are. But you often introduce coffee in the case note, which is a 
short form in general podcast. Some of your episodes go on, but you generally, as you say, while you're reading the morning newspaper and having a coffee, you can ingest the guts of a really significant court case. But you often introduce it with, hello, team, or good morning, team. And it makes me, <laughs> makes me wonder, was the genesis of the podcast a training exercise within the firm? The short answer to that is no. The longer answer is that it's my attempt to do an audio, and Grant, you and I will probably get into this later, but an audio and video version of the more traditional legal blogs that I'd seen in the past. And so what I had seen in the legal marketplace for about the last decade and a bit was we will have a firm website. We'll say, hey, um, Julie works here, Tina works here, and Alison works here. They are all guns. Uh, we will have a list of Tina's practice areas and Lucy's practice areas and Alison's practice areas. And then we will have a number of blog posts. And those blog posts will be about the decision of Smith and Bloggs and its implications for insurance contracts, the decision of um, Jones and McGee and the implications for whatever else. And so the genesis of the podcast, and I'll call it a podcast for the sake of this discussion, but it sort of began life as a video yeah. series. Um, and, and I'm sure we'll get to that. And, yeah, and, um, and don't worry, I'll do that. It's not a podcast if it's on YouTube. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll wave the flag. The, the, the genesis of the project, I suppose, if we, if we put it in loose terms, um, was to attempt to distill um, what I understood as someone who's more junior than I am now at the time to be the way to market law firms just for me to take the way you market law firms and do it in a way that I didn't see it being done. And, Grant, if you'll forgive me for waffling a little further. No, no, wa waffle away because that's where the gold yeah, is. Yeah. The sort of content I'd seen um, legal firms and individual lawyers put out in the years before me, before Actually, I came and changed let, the game let, for let me, let me stop you there. Let me oh, just yeah. stop you there. In, this is in the era of the uh, of the stock photo with the three people sitting around in a meeting, the person with the yes. clipboard, and the really happy receptionist on uh, yes. on every legal website. Yes, a lot of shaking hands in front of books and this sort yeah. of thing. It's, it, um, it's and, and standing in front of whiteboards with arrows going up. Yes, that's right. And so <laughs> um, the sorts of um, content I'd seen from law firms, especially video and audio content at that time, had either been what I'd call approachable, and there you'd have Blogsy standing in front of her firm's logo saying, did you know that trademarks can even be a smell? If you've got a trademark question, give me a call on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I call that approachable. The other sort of video I'd see advertising legal professionals would be what I'd call rigorous. And that'd be two almost always old, almost always white, almost always male lawyers sitting down for half an hour to talk really in depth about some finickety area of the law. And so I call that rigor. And so the way I came to describe my approach in my head was that I want to be approachable and I want to be rigorous. And so I think of it as approachable rigor. 
And so I consider myself a competent enough presenter or content purveyor or speaker or whatever noun we want to use to do the approachable bit. And I consider myself a competent enough lawyer to be able to digest and communicate legal issues of moderate complexity in a way that can be understood. So the thing I'm proudest of and that I'm happy to bang my fist on the table and brag about is that I've satisfied myself that what I do hopefully is reflective of that idea of approachable rigour. James, you sort of mentioned the way law firms had traditionally marketed themselves, and that was at the point where the internet moved from being text-based medium and that all of the resources were being poured into text-based. And now it's spread out to be an audio-visual medium that is supported by text. Now, at the point that you decided to dabble with the video presentation, and that inevitably leads to audio because you can do one without having to do any extra work other than setting up the delivery system. At that point, I don't know whether you were working at, at Chamberlain's, but... At the point, were you able to look at the statist- uh, the the actual web a- analytics of the firms or firm that you were working in and determine whether the old way worked? And are you comparing it and have you compared it to what you're doing now? That's such a good question, uh, partly because it highlights my naivety at the start. Whether or not I was able to access that data when I began, I didn't. All I had was my feel that no matter how many blog posts I would throw at the website, I didn't see work coming in from that. So So I formed the view. You did not see conversions. So if you're not seeing conversions, I mean, this is something that I push really hard and that people need to understand. doesn't matter how many eyes you are getting on your website. Traffic is bullshit if it doesn't lead to conversions. If you get a pile of traffic and you get no conversions, well, then your material sucks. Unless unless your aim mm. is to have a lot of people br- briefly skim over what you're doing. But conversions mean people dive in and that in business is what matters. Mm. Uh, It's such a good point and well made because there is an option for any um, service professional, I think the phrase you used earlier, Grant, I'm happy to take that to describe lawyers, um, for me to hop on a video and say, um, here's a problem someone else encountered and to close off with the traditional, so if you have got a problem with Zibidi's Zoom, give me a call. And arguably, that would be a smarter thing to do from a conversion perspective because I'd be sending out a call to action, right? I'd be saying um, to people, so come on, give me a call. I don't do that. And the reason I don't is that I've made an election or a decision or adopted a strategy that says long-term, 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 firstly. Secondly, the sort of work I do is reasonably... Um, involved, and it means I probably only need to get one or two 
new matters per year. Yeah. So it's sort of just how do you land a whale, essentially, yeah. is the loose way of discussing and, it. And, and then thirdly, oh, sorry, Grant. Well, I, I, think that, I think there's another issue for you that you probably have never mm. thought about, and that's because mm. uh, when, when I watch the videos and listen, mm. I actually prefer listening because I can be doing something yeah. else while it's going on. Yeah, hugely agree. I hate yeah. watching videos. Yeah. Now, the, the, <laughs> so the the issue that cropped up for me, and it's probably mm. why, it's probably the thing that made me want to talk to you. Mm. You're building a personal brand while adding value to the business, to the firm. Mm. But I'm guessing that at the time that you started, you didn't determine with the firm, who owns coffee and a case notes as an asset? That's a really interesting question. You're wrong. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) But, but when we use the word determine in your sentence, um, it is a view I formed and uh, it, it, it is arguable, and Grant, not to dive into the nitty-gritty of intellectual property law, but the reason you've asked this question because you've got some knowledge and expertise in this area, I'm sure. If I'm an employee of Grant Williams, it is arguable that any um, intellectual property, such as a video project summarising recent legal decisions that I produce in the course of my employment by Grant, becomes Grant's property. Mm. Depending on our employment contract, that may well be the position. Now, I was working at a different firm at the time that the video project commenced uh, and then in joining Chamberlain's, I was a little more rigorous at negotiating that intellectual property clause (laughs) than I probably was with my previous employer. So, Grant, you've highlighted the exact issue on the head, but in the same way, you know, accountants have accounting problems and vets have veterinary problems. I was very much the lawyer who had a bit of IP knowledge who sort of left himself in a bit of a fuzzy position in relation to his intellectual property. And And so if I can just piggyback one step further to anyone listening, um, I think where you'd be bringing value, Grant, is talking with your employer clients about whether they want to either be generous to their employees and say, look, you will own this and we can put something in writing if you want, or alternatively be firm with their employees and say, no, no, um, well, you are building this for us th- and us only. There's an interesting point here, and actually let's mm. let, let's tease out, there's actually two points. Mm. One is you're in a situation where you were building a personal brand, but at the mm. same, and probably being unaware of, of, of actually doing that, but you're producing something of value for potential clients and... Mm bringing in work, adding value in a marketing channel that the firm had not been using. So you're increasing value. Now you move over to Chamberlain's, you negotiate that this is indeed your asset and it has two benefits, a personal one for you and Mm. a financial client growing, client base growing one for the firm. Mm. Now Mm. for Anybody who is out there and is podcasting already and is looking to move to another firm or get, move from being a solo uh, sole trader and move into a company mm. and you want to continue podcasting, one, retain ownership or 
or insist that you podcast on company time using company resources and you get bloody paid for your skills. And or else you just say to the company, no, it's all right. You can employ such and such famous radio person to present your firm podcast. Mm. Uh, because yeah. they're, or, or because I'll they're gonna want to want afternoons and I'll own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I take your point. Yep. Um mm. because you know, famous radio person with the great DJ, DJ voice. I'm, uh, mm. you know, oh, I'm stupid bastard, and you're with bloody bloody blah. <laughs> yeah. They're going to want. 40- I'm a big fan of stupid bastard. Yeah. I think he's the he's an all time great. He is. He is. But he's going to want forty grand to just a year mm. a year to do an hour and a half's work, and the firm's still going to have to produce the thing, and that takes mm. time. So. And that's why a lot of people think podcasting is expensive, but mm. we won't we won't do that later. So kudos to you because you built a personal brand for yourself, which is highly portable, and it also mm. means you can step out of law. Anytime you want to, you can podcast out of law. Um, mm. And you'll have some kind of a, a fan base. It's inevitable. That's what happens. I mean, can you believe it? Uh, <laughs> but it also allows me to bring value to my firm absolutely um, to my to my new partners to be like hey i know how to do this um let me teach everyone or i know how to do this let me come and engage with this so our firm chamberlain has a fantastic podcast at the moment that i'm sort of going to dive into now or, or, or i say now grand i'm not sure when this is going to be published it's Christmas Eve, Eve now. So <laughs> next year, yeah, it's now, now it's, it, but 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 it, there's another issue to tease out here, and that's the interesting tension between an employed professional or a partner professional or a shareholder professional, director professional, considering a strategy for themselves versus a strategy for their firm. Yes, and and you know is. Is there a conflict there or not? Well, the, the My word, short answer, oh, Grant, go. Well, the word you used was tension, and I think that's a really mm. good way to to describe it because when there's some tension there, it pushes the content, and I think the way they get presented, if you're using a mix of people from within, within a firm, in mm. interesting places, and firms that think only about the strategy and not about the feel and mm. a, and the consumer that's where podcasting corporate podcasting fails so often is that uh, six people round a board table have come up with a strategy and everyone's had to put their little bit of input in but then none of them listen to the thing and no one consider the person driving home listening or sitting on the train, or lying in the park on a Sunday afternoon, uh, half watching the kids, you know, catching yeah. up on their podcasts, and that's that's how people yeah. consume them, and they spend so much money and time on fluff and image, yeah. and not on content. You, I stalked you before coming on, Grant, and and you have a great line about in the world of podcasting, it's very easy to let perfect become the enemy of good. Yeah. So when are we getting our logo done? Oh, when are we getting it mastered? Oh, when are we getting someone to edit it real property? Oh, oh I said, um, 
22 minutes in, we need to go back and edit out the arm, kind of see one more draft. And that fiddling and fussing, I think, really gets in the way of moving forward. And and one of the things I'm, I'm happiest with about my approach is that I'm like, to the extent I'm unhappy with the recent one, I'm like, oh, well, like, we'll get it on the next one, rather than saying, scrap it, we're going to do it again. And th- that has a number of benefits. Firstly, speed to market. You know, you're, you're just pushing it out of the marketplace. Secondly, authenticity, that, that sort of buzzword. You know, sometimes I do forget things. Yeah. And to have me stare off into the distance for three seconds where yeah. I try to remember whether a party is an applicant, a plaintiff, a respondent or a defendant, there's a degree of authenticity to that and it sort of assists you in building your relationships. And then thirdly, it's just volume because, um, Grant, I'm sure you advise your clients, to an extent this is just a volume game. One perfect podcast episode is a lot worse than three reasonable ones and th- that might take the same number of time. And if you need to fiddle and fuss in order to satisfy something you're insecure about, that is fine and that is up to you. But there are things that are lost in that fiddling and fussing process. And so the ability to streamline a a podcast, a project, if we're going to use that word loosely, a content project to market, I think is so, so valuable for anyone who values their own time, firstly. And then secondly, for anyone who values the time of the person in the park on a Sunday afternoon who might be really getting into the Grant Williams podcast and there isn't another episode for three weeks yeah. <laughs> and they just sort of lose momentum with it and this nice little relationship they form, it sort of just turns into a puff of smoke again until Grant can finally edit out the ums and, you know, buys a new better pop screen or whatever it is and there's something lost in that yeah. over-refinement of perfectionism. Well, I've got a um, perfect story to go with that. My Mm. personal passion is birds and biodiversity, conservation, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I came up with the idea five years ago to, um, to produce a podcast highlighting the people who work really, really hard, often using all their own dollars because governments don't support them, to preserve critically endangered birds. Now, the first episode went out this year on February 7th, Mm. 12 months after I'd recorded that first interview. There was a whole lot of reasons for it, but the point being that I faffed faffed around and then I thought artwork and all that kind of crap. In the meantime, Mm. I'm producing podcasts for other people and with other people, but but my passion project didn't get up. Now it's up. Gaining traction, it's super niche as re- the best podcasts are, and yes. and what listeners I think need to understand if they're considering podcasting, it's a twelve month mm. project. The people who are successful at the moment, true crime is a runaway success, but there's there's not many there's not many independent producers who are successful in that genre. It's all radio program, uh, radio-based radio people, often journalists yes. who are filling in time um, uh, and and they already have some know-how and they already have a platform. Yes. And people who already have a platform already have an audience and they're going to do things differently to an independent, absolute newcomer. 
So yes. So podcasting, you've got to be in it for the long haul. The other great thing about it is when it's up and there's one I produce for somebody else and it's a great interview show, I reckon. Mm. We just put out episode 26, um, mm. put out four in a row and then there's been one every week. Quality of the guests, you know, up and down, as, <laughs> as, as happened, yeah. you've got to find someone every week. Yes. Uh, just steadily builds, steadily builds. And the great thing is whoever discovers it tomorrow and listens to the most recent episode then goes back That's and listens to 25 yeah, to go others. Back to. That's right. It's so and, true. And and for a service professional or anybody mm. with something to sell, you've overcome. If someone is continuing to listen to your podcasts or your YouTube rants or whatever, or following, <laughs> yes. your, following your stream on Twitch or however you mm. are marketing yourself, if they're consuming your new content and they've seen your oldest content, when they do take the step and book a free call or come into the office and mention January sale and get 20% off, yes. they've already overcome every one of the objections. The sale is made unless you do a sex pistols and urinate on their feet, you know? Yes. Yes. Look, and... and- I can't really recommend urination on anyone's feeder. I think it's probably step one, and you and yeah, I would agree well, with that, Grant, apart from a very specific scenario. No, but, well, but, well I, we haven't seen the, <laughs> the, the dummy's guide to urination. I don't think it's out there. Yeah, avoid it generally as a general proposition. Yeah. But I think, and, and you'd have more familiarity with this theory, this idea of touch points, yeah. That, that you're not going to secure a new client, you're not going to sell a widget mm. without some X number, 5 or 37 or 12 or whatever it is. Mm. And so what a content marketing strategy or a podcast strategy can do for you is it can save you three of the seven coffees, for example, yeah. you might have needed to have. You're still going to need to build that personal relationship. You're still going to need to perform in that free meeting or do a good job on that call or... You know, makes yeah. you know, in but, my perspective, make some good strategic comments when you've seen a few of the documents. It's but, the last two hurdles, you know, generally. Precisely. Um, and yeah, po- podcasting allows you to deliver evidence in the mm. all the all the way through, mm. which is you know why why I talk to somebody like you. You're doing it, and you can mm. tell you can tell the audience who are potential clients for me. And potential clients for you, if they're yes, if someone from Vaucluse happens to be listening, uh, <laughs> you, you can you can tell them through me what mm. podcasting has done for you in a professional sense. How has it benefited you in a professional sense? It has enabled me, and again, I'll say the project that includes podcasting and Grant, yeah. I'll, I'll beg your forgiveness yeah, for, well, for speaking, well, speaking yeah, generally I mean, about let, it. When I say the podcast, it's a, it, yes. it's, a, it's a broad thing across a number of mediums for you. Completely. Um, yeah, um, completely. Yeah. The way that, that the podcast has benefited me is in its relationship building opportunities. So 
it has allowed me to build relationships with referrers of work that I would just not have had access to or, or, or just frankly wouldn't have known who I was. So it may be that we always would have got along well or, you, you know, um, I always would have been the right lawyer for them to refer their clients to, but they just never would have known I existed had it not been for going ahead with this project. So for me, it's been very much the formation of relationships that have led to the building of my practice. I now get referrals for work that is precisely within the funny little niche area that I tried to half describe at the start of the podcast. Without being a bank of content, and you so rightly refer to having that back catalogue, you know, without having two years of content to say this is what I know and this is how generous I am with sharing that knowledge, then it, it is completely inconceivable that I would have the same relationships I do now or the same ability to approach the market that I do now. That's purely from being generous with giving my knowledge in a way that is without expectations because that then allows you to build a relationship with someone even if you're not aware it's happening. So I've got X number of listeners. I don't know if it's large or small, but it's about sort of 140 per episode. And I don't know who they are. (laughs) And the fact that they keep tuning in is a really nice feeling personally, but it's also an an intimate thing to listen to a podcast. And so with each episode, if I'm saying something of of value and of help to them, then I'm deepening the relationship I have with them and doing it in a leveraged way. I'm sort of deepening 140 relationships at once, vulgar as that might sound. And that has been the power of podcasting for me, the ability to build what we might call entry-level relationships on a mass level that have then allowed me to build deeper relationships when I've been surgical about the sort of people I've been able to approach And then the sort of third element is that for people who have no idea who I am, no idea what the podcast is, it sort of serves as a bit of a quality control check where I'm able to say, look, if you don't know who I am, by the way, this is some of the stuff I know about. Why don't you go and check that out and then you can decide whether I'm the right person for you or not. Hmm. So it's been that that triple thread of of the mass relation, the sort of shallow mass relationships, um, some of the... Uh, deeper and more profound relationships and then that sort of um is it called social proof grant or expertise proof um, that i'm able to offer and social proof's the real uh i think it's a misused rather than misunderstood understood term a lot of people Mm. think that having reviews is social proof in one way it Mm. is you can have people saying really nice things about your podcast. Okay, that's one thing. For me, the social proof comes when people share the podcast. They send the link to somebody else because that's a recommendation that is also half of a conversion to a new client. So, Now, let let me go back just a a minute ago. I'm really glad you mentioned numbers because a lot of people don't do it. Now, I don't know if you're hosted with Libsyn, but my, my podcasts all go out with Libsyn and they're the largest podcast hosts in the world and have been doing it the longest. And they do a fortnightly show called The Feed where there's social media 
and customer relations person is with the vice president who is in charge of nuts and bolts, and he gives mm. worldwide stats every every month. He he breaks down the stats. Now, where mm. you're sitting at about 140 downloads, unique downloads, and mm. and there are different ways to count them, but there is if you're with Libsyn, your stats are audited. And can I can I can I cut across sure. Grant because it might help you to reply in a more surgical sure. way? I'm using Anchor. I think it's a Spotify okay. product. If yes. that assists you in, in uh, well, yeah. it well it just uh, I'm I'm not going to speak much about Anchor as a company because they're a great gateway. Spotify bought them because they're a fantastic gateway for for mm. people because you can get into podcasting for free. That's how it starts in terms of hosting, but you can't get the detailed kind of stats that, that you get. What I've, what I've found it to be is very much podcasting for non-podcasters, yeah. as it were. Yeah. So, it's a, it's so I just upload the audio file and then the magic of Anchor just yeah. sends it around the place. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, um, it, it's a gateway yeah. and every host should be easy. I've got my preferences for, for particular reasons. Once you were wanting to commodify shall we say and introduce different aspects to the podcast you would probably need to go somewhere else but for your purposes anchor is perfectly fine and the hookup with spotify means you've got a chance of being featured in spotify which means you've got a good chance of being listened to <laughs> like it expand your, <laughs> it, ex, well it, it, find, yes, no, no, I, find I new listeners yeah, easily yeah. the point i wanted to make is that a hundred between 120 and 140 unique downloads mm. in the first mm. 45 days of release yes puts you in the top 50 percent of all the podcasts in the world of which yes. there are at any one time somewhere around four hundred thousand that are active <laughs> okay. okay wow. so so yeah, amazing, and and the, you, and those stats are collated by taking out the bottom two percent and the top two percent on, on using the bell curve. And mm. so, when Joe Rogan and Mark Maron are taken out, and all of the ones mm. that only have one and two, have and two three, episodes, yeah, the, the first episode of which is guys, we've been great no, idea no, for a podcast. Get the, ready. The, yeah. the, the, this is for each each one that let's say they're consistent, but there's a lot of podcasts mm. out there who mum and dad listen and, mm. and 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 the three men that the three guys sitting around a table having a beer, they listen mm. to, to themselves, but nobody else does. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. But but that number of 140 is where a lot of moderately successful podcasts mm. sit and the challenge is to break past it. And for people who for people who want to make money from their podcast that without mm. without linking it to a service, if they want mm. advertising to in their show to pay yes. them, you need ten thousand download individual unique downloads, audited downloads a month. Yeah. That, that's when advertisers start looking. So for you and me, that's never going to happen yeah. because it's a non-issue. I'm it, like, that, cool. That's right. Because we're <laughs> we're marketing a service and a skill, whereas yes. the people who are personalities who come to mm -hmm. podcasting very quickly they leave 
because it's not possible for them unless they are uniquely talented and uniquely interesting to mm. get 10,000 regular downloads for every episode just based on how cool they are. Because it, 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 it just doesn't happen. I think podcast listening is quite fickle. Like I find myself to be fairly fickle as a podcast listener that I'll, you know, something I've listened to for 18 months, you know, I'll skip a week or two and be like, oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> like who cares? You, you know, it'll sort of slip off my radar. Well, and so I think there's like, I think it's now mature, it's matured really quickly in the last 18 months, two years from being a bit of a dabbler's hobby, you know, uh, train set in the basement sort of project into a reasonably mainstream and, yes, hearing the massive number of them worldwide. I mean, it's it's incredible. And considering that so many countries in the world still don't have the bandwidth available to everyone to even think about listening or think about producing, the mm. growth is just going to be up and up and up and up. But the the great thing about podcasts is that you do form an attachment to them. I'm a bit like you in that I've got my favourites that I still subscribe to and they still come down. But now, because I'm really familiar with what's going to be in the show, if the content is not what I want to hear today, I don't listen. Yes. And that's why a lot of really successful podcasters do the, the they slightly veer into the next lane. But that's also why professional, mm. I'll call them professional podcasters because they're the people who work for the media organisations, the radio stations that are becoming podcasting hubs. Yes. You do a season. There's a story. There's an R. You run through it. And then it's like a radio play. The old days, once the shit, the radio serial, the murder has been solved, you yes. pick up, you you find the next one, and go on, go on to that. Yeah, you go cliffhanger, 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 yeah. down to more. Yeah, and then you got to go to season two, <laughs> go find now, some more cliffhanger. We didn't talk about that, the use of the word team, but that I I, I thought that. You're, the way you do the short form and do the very quick nuts and bolts, the the essential points of the uh, of the case, it it's a fantastic way to introduce juniors and the rest of the the environment around a firm, all the people around the firm who may not be ever going to stand in the courtroom, but for them to actually understand what the work they do is for. Do you get what I'm saying? It, you, you make the, I do. The, the receptionist understands what the principles are for, why it's important to be detailed. You know, you've got so many examples in, in the shows you've done where one mm. little hiccup or one wrong word <laughs> yeah. has meant disaster. And, um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was just – I'm surprised that, that – hadn't sort of become that for you but just think about uh lecturers who find it hard to get people to come to their tutorials yeah. look i mean to, to take the team element in the broader universe that's a that's a compliment i take really seriously and really to heart and i really appreciate grant because 
as we sort of hinted at before, that 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 approachability point, that accessibility point, is something that's really important to me and really at the heart of this project. The idea that lawyers, as much as we like to say these days we all use plain English and these days we're all super nice and these days we see our children um, on days other than Saturday and Sunday. There is still an element where we live in a funny little closeted part of the sort of business adjacent world. We sort of look and sound like business people, but we're really not. We're just kind of making it up as we go. We're basically a guild and it's a guild that's been closed for a few centuries now. And the idea that I am being productive in sharing the knowledge that previously we would just keep in these leather books in our office and say, pay us a lot of money and we'll tell you what's in those books. It's a nice feeling and it's a compliment that means a lot to me. And then that second point of whether it serves as an intro, just sort of lecturing or or speaking in a more formalised way, it has already in a professional sense. And I've been asked to speak in more... Uh, look, you'll be able to describe this industry better than I would at your sort of TEDx um, or your motivational type things. And it's just, it's never been an invitation I've been able to square with the idea that I just sit around and talk about legal decisions. And, and, and maybe my point of view will evolve on that. But I've never been able to say of my potential clients, uh, which of them will give a sh- <laughs> that I've spoken at TEDx wherever and said, hey, guys, believe in your dreams and go read some legal cases. Well, and that, that, um, that's really interesting. It's just something I haven't got to, yeah. That, that's really interesting, James, because I really struggle with everybody on LinkedIn particularly mm-hmm. who puts it out there that they're a thought leader. Um, mm. I, I, think, I think that if you're good at your job, Fantastic. If you've invented something that nobody else has done, or if you're Immanuel Kant, or you know, <laughs> if you're Solzhenitsyn, maybe, yes. maybe you're a, you're a thought leader. You know, maybe even Charles Dickens was was a thought leader. And and I'm thinking that I might even put Margaret Atwood in there. You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah no, as a thought belongs. leader, but. Bloody hell, someone who's pushing a marketing system, piss off. Yeah, it's funny. Like someone who's going to teach me how to sell um, insurance or whatever, it's it's not something that, that sort of lights lights my fire as someone yeah. whose opinions I'm going to rely on. But but it's funny. I, I'm, I'm still in a cynical phase on, Mate, on mo- motivational content I'm, on LinkedIn. I'm, and, and I'm, I'm grandpa I'm sorry, cynic. Grandpa, I'm, I'm interrupting no, no, I'm interrupting you, and that's my trademark. Mm. I'm, I'm grandpa, I'm grandpa cynic. You know, it's kind of like when the New Year's Day, Australia Day honors come out, mm. and and all these people are getting awards for doing their job, for being good at doing their job, but yes, but but the lady who has been. Uh, delivering meals on wheels in her community for 27 years got, yes. no, got nothing. It, it, it just doesn't square. That, that's where I see the TEDx sort of stuff. In It's a comparison for me. To me, to me I, like, 
I'm sort of 45 degrees to that. Like to me, in my head, I'm like, yeah, 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 show me. You know, like that's always, you know, it's like, hey, wake up, rise and grind and believe in getting up at 4 a.m. and drinking a cup of water with lemon in it, then doing 200 push-ups and then writing in your journal and then doing it. It's like, like, no, like, move. move. (laughs) I'm going to do mine my way. And then if you do yours in your way, such a way that I'm inspired to follow in your footsteps, great. But for the moment, thank you. (laughs) But that's not the sort of content that sort of gets under my skin. (laughs) But 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 sort of a gloss a gloss to that, right? Is let's say I was desperate to put motivational content on LinkedIn for whatever reason. I think if you did that with humility, and if I did that in the form of let's say a book review or something of like, I read an interesting book. It said this, that, and the other. Here are my thoughts, rather than just being like Grant. Don't let your self-limiting, you know, beliefs stand yeah. in the way of your dreams. Yeah. Go out and go get it, buddy. But, Let's go. Yeah, but see, like, well, but, but, but see to, to, to me, to me, mm. that second thing is bullshit <gasps> because, because, because oh, the reviewing. Wow, no, 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 no. The second thing, which is that don't, oh, sorry, let, the, yeah. don't let your yeah, man. you know, don't limit your view of the world. It's completely, yeah, yeah. it's completely not testable, right? So to me, it's yep. book. We're the sum, we're the sum of our lives' experiences, right? Mm. That's and 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 we're all trapped in our own perspective, you know. So in case nobody's noticed, I'm I'm hanging out there on the left, right? I'm probably the rare example of someone who started out fairly left as a kid, and I've. Yes, uh, and and I've I've just continued to veer off off uh, yes. off that side. Grant, you'll be interested to hear the other the other podcast that I co-host. We've branded an anarcho syndicalist, good socialist, and feminist progressive podcast. So, like, we're like we are we speak of one mind. All right, let, and in let, fact, let's. I'm, I'm not going to sell a professional one, but Spooko is what it's called. And, and Spooko, I'll have to invite you to have a well, listen. I, I was it's I was going to say, don't miss the opportunity to give it a give it a plug because we all need. Yeah, to, yeah, Spooko, Spooko, S P W O K O. Everyone, everyone, go have a listen. Basically, Just, Grant, the sales pitch is this. I'm scared of horror films, right? Yeah. I'm never going to watch them, and my co-host loves them. And so he, rather than making me watch them, he reads the Wikipedia plot synopsis to me, and I freak out. Oh, uh, cool. Sorry, I'm into No, it. no, no, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm into that. Now, uh, look, as as is my other trademark, is I've totally gone off off point. I want to go back to just something about the numbers, yeah. ag- the numbers again. The, yes. The 140, mm. which... Mm. Which, which, when you tell somebody who doesn't listen to podcasts, they go, mm. oh, "That's not many. Why do you even bother?" But, but, dear listener, podcasting has uh, for James has done two things that are extremely valuable from his one hundred and forty mm. listeners. Yes, if you go back and listen to the very first couple of. Coffee in a case note, which I did. Did you do that? Which of course I did. <laughs> of course Bloody I did. Hell. Because because that means I can make this statement and it can be yes. completely valid. You have developed into a very effective communicator. That's very generous. That's a highly valuable skill. You're still a young fella, and by the time you are running, hopefully a left wing progressive 
law firm that is striking down the climate criminals and the and, yes, and, yes. and the people and the patriarchy grant. Yeah, we and, are allies here, I'm sure. And and the new businesses that are then raping and pillaging the moon and and uh, Mars <laughs> and you know wherever else, every asteroid. Mm. Um, you know, you you will be operating with skills that you have been picking up in the last um, you know fifty episodes, which is which is really great. It's such a kind compliment, and 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 it's one that I am going to just accept um, because there's also a nice. So the thing I have gained, right? So to get back to the start of your comment. What James gained, it's not merely, oh, it's nice to have some listeners and it's nice to get some work. It's also nice for the looser, more difficult to define elements of being a professional in practice. It feels nice. Mm. Like I get messages from mums who are like, my 12-year-old daughter's doing legal studies and she wants to be a lawyer and we listen together and, I, and we both talk to each other about what we thought the outcome should have been and whether we thought it was good or bad or not. And it's just, it's the nicest feeling to think that I'm doing something that is selfish in a loose way, you, you know, trying to share my knowledge with a view to hopefully growing a practice. So, so there's a generosity to it, but there's a selfishness to it as well. But just having people respond to the generosity element of it is is a really nice feeling. Mm. And it's also really nice to just create things. I think we're all creative in our way. And while I'm not creative in the way that I might draw nice drawings or make nice pictures, I do literally create things. Like I've, yeah. I've made this podcast and it's just a nice feeling to, like the way I enjoy it is I go back to Spotify and I just loosely scroll the mouse wheel down and just keep scrolling down the names of all these cases that I've read and understood. And then the final part is that I'm actually quite competitive as well, Grant, and I'm in a fairly competitive um, industry and I've got a bit of an assertive confrontational element to my personality that probably doesn't come through in the videos quite so much. But part of it is me turning around to every other lawyer practicing in my area and saying, if you think you're better at this than me, show me, hmm. because until you do, I'm saying I'm better than you. Yeah. You can come tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, and, and it's and I take some 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 pleasure. Like it's a little bit scary, but I take some pleasure from making that assertion and sort of looking around and being like, "Look, I think I'm better than you at this. And if I'm wrong, come show me." Loosely, and until al- you do, lo- loosely allied to that sort of point, mm. James is mm. talking sort of 2013, 2014, I was studying a master's of professional accounting, which I never finished, mm. but I was in a class um, that was all international students except me, right? It was in a, a campus that was designed for international students. Just so happened that the only place and time that suited me to enroll was in this in this particular place, and international I had international student stream, yeah, and, yeah. And and I had to have a battle with them. I had I had to say, you can't not enroll me. Uh, and they said, "Oh, we oh, no, 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 I don't want you here." And and I said, "Well, we'll just take that up with the department and see how, uh, you know, and your uh, and your sponsoring university and see how that goes." Um, yeah. But yes. in, anyway, the long and the short of it was, I was in, I was enrolled, yeah. I was enrolled, and spent a couple of years mm. spending all this time with international students who were studying uh, 
accounting, but also there was uh, there was social work there. There was um, oh, there's a whole lot of whole lot of stuff. But we're all mixing mixing together. Yes. And Grant, all- I'm fascinated to hear how this is turning back to podcasting. Well, but yeah, like I well think, no, no. I think it, we're all on the edge of us. No, yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah, all right, all right. We'll get we'll get back to it. We'll, <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm having fun. I think it probably opens a door into how my mind works. Um, so, and th- and they're all they're all early twenties, right? And I'm mm. and and at that stage, I'm pushing fifty, right? Mm. Um, and been and, lightly, and worked in w- worked in a lot of different industries, you know, in sales, and I've been I've been a horticulturist. I've done a done a lot of stuff. Mm. And we're sitting around, and, and here's all these international students who are paying a lot of money, and their aim is to get PR in Australia and develop a p- professional career. But they're mm. all saying, I can't get a job. Everyone will give me a job in a cafe, and they'll give me a job cleaning offices in Melbourne or wherever, but I can't mm. get a job. And then I say, you got a copy of your resume there? And they go, yeah, and they give it to me, and I'll collect two or three of them, and and I go, these don't tell me about you. They don't tell me about you. So your English it's is a list of metadata, essentially. It's, I went it's to just, you, it's got just, X-Mart. It's just, I went to I, there. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did these subjects. So did everybody. You've all graduated, right? You're all, <laughs> you're all graduated. So here you are trying to enter a profession. And you're trying to get a job, and there's 300 people going for every one of these professional jobs. There's more now. There's 600 Mm. of them putting their hands up now. It's terrifying. Mm. My advice to every one of them was to start a podcast. All of these internationals have got a second or third language. You've got a worldwide market if if you want. So become an expert in something. Start a podcast. Now... None of them did, but my my point is that if one of them did and had started mm. six or seven years ago, they now would be the expert in their language and English in whatever they were choosing to do, and mm. it then puts them apart. The resume arrives, and at the top, instead of some motivational thing, it says, Listen yeah. to my listen, leadership. <laughs> yes. Listen to my podcast available on Google Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and if you're in India, Ghana or whatever. And yeah. here's here's the link. And then you go into your boring stuff. Podcasting since 2013. All of a sudden you're a you're an you're an expert and you're different. Doesn't matter if they like your podcast. The point is you're different. But it's also such a blunt way of showing that passion is such a vague word, but 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 your commitment to being engaged in your professional development, you know, it's such a great way of saying I'm not a box-ticking sort of person or, or what we as lawyers might refer to as a sort of timesheet sort of person. Yeah. It's a way to communicate, hey, like I'm I'm someone who wants to be in this profession I've committed seven seven years to podcasting about this profession. If you're interested in finding out my thoughts on it, they're all there. (laughs) Um, And so I think that allows a potential employer to make an informed decision. And frankly, 
Um, there are some people who won't like that. Some people no, say, well, I don't that, want a podcast person. That, and that's great. That's fine because they wouldn't it, have wanted you Because anyway. that's what you want. You, you, don't, know, you, you don't want to be running up to an interview where they have no intention of ever hiring you. You just don't exactly. want that. You know? And then the people who do like you, you know, or are interested in that sort of thing, you're yeah. communicating just super clearly of, hey, you and I are the sort of people who are likely to get along. Yeah. I think I'm right for this role. And so, That's good advice, Grant. So That's I, good. Well done. So I did get it back to podcasting. Now I'm going to go back yeah, again, yes. <laughs> again to the numbers and about this concept of success, yeah, yeah, yeah. about this concept of success, which is what people can learn or – the takeaway, the key point, the gold nugget, however we want to. Yeah. So in your particular instance, you only need yeah. two clients a year, right? So you get two phone calls, two new clients, and the podcast has paid for itself with the first one and all the profit yes. that you have budgeted for for the year is achieved with the second one. If you get a third yes. one, that's gravy. If you get a fourth one, that's your trip to New York next year, you know. That's um, uh, probably a panic attack as well. Like just sort of seeing your <laughs> no, fingers no, no, grab grass. No, I was no, like, no, okay. No, no, yeah. that, that's right. I mean, you, you, I certainly take your point. You, you, yeah. you know, and, and, but, and but, look, I'm 100% with you. And, yeah, yeah. and, and, and the, pod, the podcasting is, is, you know, people have to understand too, it's different than a shop. In a shop, yeah. if you can't handle any more, any more work, any more sales, you've got no more stock, you have to shut the door. With podcasting, you don't have to shut the door you, because, because your sales process is, is somewhere else and you can yes. just stop taking appointments until well, you uh, need more. And the other benefit of um, an approach that includes podcasting um, is um, – Forgive me a moment, Grant. I, I love the the BBC moment in the uh, in, in the working from home podcasting. Sorry, I, I love. Sorry, the, Grant, I'm back. It, it, that's it truly right. is Christmas Eve Eve. Well, um, so we're doing sticky yeah. tape and scissors searching. So that's important but that, stuff. But that's another great thing about the the world of podcasting and the working from home conjunction. <laughs> you know that that magical BBC. Uh, Korea interview, you know, where the the little kid. Oh, where the, where the child, the child like, walks in. That was great. She, she didn't just walk in; she marched in. It was it was brilliant. And I and- had a hearing grant this week that's done by Microsoft Teams, and so you are in a pretend courtroom. Um, where the judge has a neighbour whose dogs barking too much, <laughs> and has to apologise to everyone. And what was interesting is that it was a moment of levity, but it was also a moment of empathy. It was sort yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, we're all just we're all just doing our best. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, we're in an unusual scenario here. There are huge benefits. Um, and so sometimes there are some pretty strange changes and, and challenges as well. It was just a nice moment of empathy. Yeah, but sorry, Grant, if I can come back to what I hopefully was talking about, the greatest nugget I can pass on is that is the leverage nugget and 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 this is where i sort of develop on podcasting and, and i'm i would understand if you edited this out because it's sort of a broader point but i but i expect this is what you assist a lot of your clients with as well if you have a client who has thought about an issue relevant to her professional life in enough depth to draft let's say a blog post about it then she has committed three hours of her time to it. 
if she was then to turn the phone around, plug in a reasonable lavalier mic that could just be a road, you, you know, it could be in a nice $80 lavalier mic and speak into her phone just to give a seven or eight minute, just look down the barrel and basically say her blow. Well, she, she could read it verbatim. That's not very interesting, but she could talk to it. Um, then she spent an extra eight minutes and has recorded a video that can be published in a million places. And then you click, click export as audio only. And then she's got a podcast that can yep. be published in a yep. million places. And, and so what I say is that that leverage point um, for your time poor professional and grant your time poor, I'm time poor, we're all, we're all time poor, for your time poor client who has devoted so much of her time to drafting this blog post it would be, with respect to this hypothetical person I've just made up, it would be a poor use of her time for her not to, you know. Mm. She'd be letting an opportunity slip at failing to leverage as much as she could out of these considered thoughts she's got. And so that's sort of my gauntlet throw, which is if you're thinking about a podcast, you not only should do it, quote, quote, it, it is a failure to efficiently use your own mm. time. Mm. And there's an element where I'm sort of, you know, and I don't want to start poking people in the chest with my index finger or turning into a motivational speaker, but if I was going to transform into a motivational speaker right now in relation to podcasts, I'd say, look, is your time that cheap? Like, can you afford to just throw time away by not trying to leverage the effort you've already put in. Hmm. And my answer is no, my no. time is not that cheap. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I suspect a lot of your clients would feel the same way. Uh, I turn it around slightly different, mm. differently, James. I take your point absolutely, and I, I think you're right. Being a, an advocate of the, the lazy podcaster kind of methodology is you just turn mm. it on, you just turn it on and go. And yep. and if there's anything actionable or unlistenable, you take it out. Um, yep. Otherwise, you just get it out there. But couldn't agree more. But that that person who has spent all the time researching for the blog post and yes. writing the blog, the blog, which takes, as you said, three, four, then three or four hours probably writing it. Then there's yep. a countless hours of research that went into it, depending on what the subject matter is. Now, my view is that you are doing a complete disservice to your potential audience, which happens to be your potential client base, and you are doing a disservice to them by not putting the quality, the useful information that they need out there and then giving them the opportunity to choose you instead of bozo down the street. That's right. They're going to listen to a worse podcast now. And they're going to stumble into a, you know, maybe a worse service provider or, or something like that. So, yep. um, you know, I, I, I appreciate your attitude that until somebody demonstrates yep. that they are better than you, you are the best, and that's a perfectly yep. valid view to hold. Yep. Now, I think we've I think we've established that that Ooh. you're a good podcaster. I think. I think. Well, we, I, I can find 140 people who agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, I, 
you know, maybe maybe another day we do something where we talk more about the stats and whatnot. But before we move into more about your personal journey, because I because because I'm always interested in exploring a bit more about uh, my guests. But mm. I I've completely lost my train of thought. It was and it was about business and it was about profession. Oh, I know what. I firmly believe, James, that you can make a interesting and valuable and successful podcast about anything. And 2021, I intend to do a whole bunch of case studies that demonstrate exactly that. You need to the set... The Shoelaces podcasts, the Wrapping Paper podcast, the Printer Cartridge podcast, yep. The Chameleon Breeders podcast. Magic. And the Chameleon Breeder podcast will hopefully be featuring in February. So... Um, Magic. Yeah. But, but the reason you are right about that, or, or, or the reason I most firmly expect you to be proved right, is that the maturity of the podcast market allows for that narrow casting. So if I'd have said to you five years ago, hey, there's a podcast where people talk for about an hour and they summarise a recent movie they'd seen, you'd say, oh, wow, that sounds pretty cool. And now I could say to you with some confidence that there might be 5,000 perhaps you know, movie review podcasts that are about an hour that are released about weekly. You know, there'd be something like 5,000. But, but guess what? Guess what? There's just yeah. a, there's just as many good ones now as there were seven years ago. The problem <laughs> that's the, not the, right. The, right the, the, the problem is that there's uh, there's four thousand and eighty shit <laughs> ones. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, I don't I don't doubt that, but but I think you'll be proved right on that on that. What do we call it? Broadcasting versus narrow casting point. Yeah, that look, you know. If, if you are a chameleon breeder, then what other podcasts are you going to listen to? Of course, this is going to be your jam 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, you're going to improve right on that. That's good. It's yeah, exciting. There aren't many examples of really successful radio people who have uh, radio hosts, radio mm. DJs from the old days who have mm. successfully turned into podcasters because to be a good podcaster, you need to be a good researcher and you need to you need to like the tech otherwise just just sitting down and going right so today i'm talking about that absolute disaster that happened in the cricket well there's there's guys who are really experienced with the cricket and they know the cricketers and they've spoken to the Mm. cricketers i'm going to listen to them Right. Yes, I'm, I'm not really Rather interested. Rather than Bloggsy's, Bloggsy's hot takes. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Paul from Parramatta prattling on about <laughs> yeah. the cricket, you know. Uh, you know yeah. Sorry, Paul. Uh, Gideon Hay, <laughs> Peter Lawler, you know. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll listen to them. Or So that le- has a great speaking voice. Yeah. So, look, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair enough, yeah. <laughs> so that leads me to, um, to the... So James, tell me a bit about you. Now I don't want to. I don't want to go back to the school days and whatnot or whatever. Yeah, what, yeah. So what my I'm, mum and dad. They, yeah, yeah, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. What I'm interested in is tell me about your 
sort of experience when it came to graduating? Did you find law school hard? And were you one of the uh, the students that, you know, had to work three jobs? I, mean, I always think about the international students here who are paying 60 grand a year, uh, sorry, 60 grand for their for their couple of years, uh, working three yeah. jobs, driving, doing Deliveroo or something like that, and still acing, uh, acing their course. Amazing. Um, yeah, they're amazing. So tell tell me a bit about your uni experience, and then yeah, and, and, and then the how how did you get a foothold in a really really crowded profession? Yeah, um, uh, I'll answer both. Um, uni. I didn't uh, uni. I got I got reasonable marks in. Um, I ended up with a couple of um, honors degrees from Sydney Uni, including in law. That was a, a, a two one, which means you don't get first class honors, but you know <laughs> you did all right. And during uni, I worked at a pub and hosted a trivia night, and I also worked um, at a community radio station, hosted a show for which, which four or one? five a- years. There. S- SER? FBI. FBI. Uh, so the Sydney 2SER, yeah, FBI. So the, very much the sister station of 2SER here in Sydney. And um, that that was good fun. And then from there you do your PLTs, your practical legal training. And I did that. I was lucky enough to get a placement at the ABC to do like a six-week placement there. And then I had to go sniff around for a job and I took a paralegal role um, and this speaks to the immense privilege um, I had coming into the profession because this is a privilege that not um, many people were lucky enough to have. And I was deeply privileged and fortunate to be offered a paralegal position at the firm my dad worked at that actually has my surname in it as well. And so there's a family history of that firm. So I was very privileged to be able to have that opportunity. So I did that for about eight or nine months. And then um, my wife and I moved to Newcastle and I worked at a commercial firm there for a brief time. And then I worked in a Sydney suburb called Pimble for four or five years. Then I went back to that firm with my surname on it for five or six years and then Chamberlain's this year. And so it's been a journey that's sort of had the supreme, not to get too specific, but mainly litigation in the Supreme Court through it. That's been fairly consistent. Sometimes it's been about wills and estates, and that, and that, that was very much my experience sort of several years ago. Then for a time it was about building and construction sort of disputes, and now it's more sort of corporate and commercial type disputes. So it's, it's been a really fortunate, privileged journey that I've mm. really enjoyed for the most part. There have been challenges along the way, as there are on any path, but... Um, the broad answer, or so the the broad reflection I've got on my profession is 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 a real gratitude for for where it's placed me, and frankly, the amount of pleasure I'm able to take in day to day practice and the relationships I've got. There's a degree where I'm quite unusual in not only my manner, but frankly, in my mental health, which is reasonably good. And for someone my age, my level of experience, my level of seniority. In my profession, that's not really something we're able to say all that often, so I'm deeply fortunate there, but it is also, of course, something that we all have to work on and be conscious of. But my reflection on my path through uni and into the profession is that it was blessed, frankly. Um, met a number of good people, met some real <laughs> assholes along the way, but I don't work with them anymore. 
and chiefly have worked with excellent, great, smart people um, as much as I can and certainly doing that right now. So I'm having a great time. I really appreciate that you have used the terms fortunate and privileged because it's it it's not something anyone should ever be ashamed of if there is an element of privilege in in the way that they've been able to uh, progress through their career but i think it's really important that people recognize it because otherwise otherwise hubris sets in and don't and 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 don't take this the wrong way because i want to i want to bring it back to the point you made earlier about you're the best yeah. until someone proves you otherwise absolutely yep. you know you, yep and 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 you you've had a step up which a lot of people don't have but everyone's able to take you on and That's right. and 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 prove prove otherwise now i didn't stalk you before mm. our interview i just i just checked out the whole the the um coffee in a case note but oh nice but Thank the you. but the ser experience and the mm. opportunity at the abc have obviously yeah. Obviously, let you pick up skills that have yes. give, have given you uh, an advantage over your peers, and it goes back to what I said to people. I say all the time, anyone who is talking about networking, I say yep. start a podcast and get good at interviewing, because if you can get good at interviewing, it means you can find the nub of any issue, of anything you can get to the you can get to the crux of it, and one of my great challenges is to stop the waffle. But well, no, Grant. Can, like, can I can I cut across to just firmly agree with you because it's it's such a good point, a good point, well made. That if if you're doing your own interview podcast, which I'm not, because as you know, it takes much more time and effort than it does to just do my spiel at a camera for a little while. You're able to control the guest list, obviously, and you're then able to be really strategic about it. So. I'm targeting like accountants at mid-tier accountant accounting firms, and there's one there's one view of the world that says, James, you should leave all this other <coughs> you do behind. You should find the mid-tier accountant podcast, and twice a month you should sit down with mid-tier accountants, and the first three can be mates you already have, and then use those first three to to leverage um, introductions to other accountants at other accounting firms, and then all I'm doing is spending my life interviewing my ideal referral sources and making them feel like the most important person in the room. And so if I have a podcast, I just use that podcast power to just go around making um, Julie and Alison and, um, you, you know, Vera feel like the greatest people in the room and then sending them an email to say, hey, Vera, it's a great podcast here. You can upload it and share it with your friends. And so that she feels nice about me and the next time she has a matter that comes in, she's like, well, in fact, why don't I? Think about sending it to James. We had such a nice experience. That, I think, is such a strong sale for pe the people you you find yourself speaking to, Grant, where if you have a client come in, who, especially in B2B, where you can write down on a piece of paper <laughs> your potential customers you want rather than saying, I'm trying to sell chocolate bars, you might say, you know, I'm trying to sell data recovery services in country Victoria or whatever, and there are only 27 businesses who are ever going to need that and you can just make a list and be like great uh, i'm doing the country victoria cfo podcast and i'm going to interview every cfo in country victoria and 
it, it almost comes back to your narrow casting point that, that, that if you do found a podcast, it can do whatever it is you want it to do and it can also sort of pivot and change. Mm. And Grant, you can shut down this podcast tomorrow and start up a whole new one the next day if your goals change or you can have two or three running concurrently. Hey, James. It's, um, it's, it's a great medium. James, can you... Can you see what I'm doing there? Yeah, the five and the two. What am I looking at? So what does that add up to? One, two, seven, seven. Have you you got seven on the run? That's how many podcasts I do. (laughs) Um, And most Sorry? What do I say? Congratulations or oh, my gosh? uh, Most of them are with a co-host where Mm. where I'm I'm the useful idiot because – yeah, the, the the every man who comes in and says, "Blogsy, what's going on in the world of well, it's, great it's, cricket this it's week?" It's very difficult yeah. for someone who has a busy professional practice to plan out a podcast, uh, a, a content strategy. But the hardest thing is, is then if you're interviewing a, a former client or something. Because because the most boring podcast in the world is the HR professional talking to the other HR professional about HR and about <laughs> all, all the things about what they can do for their client. But the good one is the HR professional who has the client who tells the important parts of their story to yes. potential clients. And that's yes. – I, I just facilitate – and um, and and uh, I firmly believe that a nice podcast is a boring podcast. So yes, yeah, I I feel like that that takes it too far. Like I feel like it's oh, such no, a diverse no, 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 I don't, landscape. I, I now don't mean that, I, that there are people who'd appreciate you know a very gentle, oh, slightly boring. Oh, <laughs> Well, look, oh, I, I, I probably should choose the word. Like, this is a double I, speed. Grant, I, 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 but, you know. yeah, I don't mean I don't mean nasty or anything like that. But but mm. if you're going to interview someone, you have to get mm. you have to get to the story. And so many interviews are just PR, and that is not the story. And that those those things don't last. And and I. Rarely will someone who produces a podcast like that, they'll rarely do something like you did, which is share your numbers and talk about about conversion. And should I be more cagey, Grant? No, no, is that no. The, well, is that, no. Is that what I, I well, say? no. I certainly don't. I certainly don't think so because okay. because people can believe you. They can hmm. believe you. Uh, so. Yeah, look, I didn't want to bring it back to me anyway. So, so, but the 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 point is that anybody who is busy in doing anybody who who's got something to share can can be good in this medium, and and the audience finds you, and if they don't find you, change it up, change change it, you know. Grant, can I can I wind back about? 30 seconds on what you just said. Sure. Because um, I think I, I think there's one thing I want to make clear to anyone listening who's flirting with podcasting, and I think it's sort of the difference between my, my not my style, but my end product and your end product. My end product <laughs> is you can You can build yours in six-minute intervals and I can't. 
Exactly. <laughs> well, well, very, very nearly. Mine is a single take that I do zero editing on. And so I am able to be agile and nimble and fast. And what I lose, of course, is depth. And what I lose is longevity. But I'm able to pump out six minutes a week, yeah. four minutes a week, eight minutes a week with some reliability. And that's one potential measure that your clients could potentially have a very casual, almost the way I've pitched it to other professionals who I encourage to think about this is to, I think I call it dictaphone podcasting. So to, I feel like senior barristers, every time they have an idea, they should just put get the voice memo on the yeah. phone and be like, you know what's funny about drafting a statement of claim? You really got to make sure you do your ones and your two and your three. And once you've done three, just don't forget to subject thing. All right, okay, bye. And that's a file that's somewhere between a minute and a half and 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And again, this is almost a sales pitch for Anchor on, on one view, that if you're going to do a like gorilla unproduced version that you're going to allow to have as little demand on your time as possible, that's one way of doing it. And then, as I say, our distinction in outcome is, is the other possibility is to have a bespoke I use the word structured in a positive way, you know, structured, considered, curated discussion between parties who there's been some reflection on how they're going to interact, how they're going to be relevant for each other. And that'll be the, out, the output of one of your podcasts. And uh, I guess when you're helping your podcast clients, I feel like there's a chance for you to offer them that that sort of easy, gentle intro to say, hey, look, just tell me about something you know about. You know, tell me about why Mark Waugh's cover drive is better than Michael Vaughan's cover drive. Give me just four minutes on that and, and I'll see what I can do with it. Yeah. What what I like to say to people is that I think I think podcasting is kind of like or the everybody has a podcast in them the same way that everyone has a book in them. Novel, yeah. yeah. But you, but often what what the book will be isn't apparent to you until you know down the track and I, and and, mm. I, and and I don't want anyone to get the idea that every podcast that I do is is the lazy podcast way it's just that I I like to frame I, I try and frame it for who the audience potentially yes. potentially is if it's for a business purpose who the potential client is and then mm. if I'm co-hosting with them, I'm trying to get the essential stuff out of the co-host, who is the expert, but also out of the guest. So so while you, you you've got to make it you, you gotta you gotta make it seem easy as it goes along, because it's gotta be yes. gotta be listenable. But you've got to be pulling the information out. And sometimes that's not <laughs> Sometimes that's not as easy as it seems because you might have a guest, yeah. a guest who's got a fantastic story about something, but all they want to tell mm. you about is their volunteer work. Yeah, and yeah. And, and there's that there's that data mining exercise yeah. where you're like, how do I like just yeah. Can you, yeah. All, <laughs> remember all, the thing you told me about yeah. when we set this all yeah. up? And, and, and how do you and, get it out? And and it's kind of like that thing. So James, tell me about yourself. But look, look. Let's yeah, go back to that for for a minute. Um, yeah. you, you, 
the legal profession has, in recent times, been known a lot for the stress and the damage to mental health that it's doing to sort of people at the bottom end of the firm and yes. and the immense financial pressures that can be had at the top end of the firm. Um, mm. So just setting the scene, what's been the most challenging issue for you in working in the law? For me, it's been a combination of um, what I'll just call fatigue. So the sort of workload that leads you to prioritise things other than sleep. And so when you're low on sleep, your sort of decision-making can fall away and then other elements of your life can fall away and then a lot of caffeine can then have its role to play and then a lot of booze can then have its role to play and then you can find yourself regulating your life in a sort of boom and bust sort of rhythm. And that for a time some years ago was was a challenge to, to confront. And, and, and look, still, as a, as a profession and me personally, I think we're yet to come to a sophisticated position on all this stuff like i mean mine's literally named after coffee which is a stimulant which you know is all about artificially like boosting like you know like it's a drug (laughs) and it's something that if i don't have it in my day's work it's a problem Mm. and so there are there are challenges the profession has to confront there i've had a number of um, interpersonal problems with i think i referred to them as assholes before and I, I, i don't retract that at all I'm happy to name them if you'd like, but uh, it's probably it's probably not ideal. So there are like it is a profession where uh, look all walks of life are attracted, but there can often be two sort of broad types of your your sort of big, loud, assertive ones um, who will either be uh, generous or megalomaniacal, or your sort of quiet, hard workers who will either again be generous or megalomaniacal and. You know, you can you can you can bump into those types, and the more disappointing phases of my career has involved those sorts of people, and um, and then the challenges that, uh, that I referred to earlier are, are challenges I face. But then, if we if we check back into privilege, uh, <laughs> like I'm also a white cisgendered straight man who's had you know almost zero of the challenges that that sort of pervade our profession as well so to the extent i've had challenges yes i have and they have been genuine but they are dwarfed monstrously by those that are many other lawyers i want to draw you out on on that issue about the assholes um Mm. because junior law lawyers often talk about tyrants being at the at the yes. upper echelons of of firms and perhaps not so high up in the firm but being in a supervisory or managerial role mm. now what have you had had to temper about yourself or modify about yourself to fit in with with all the people around you and I'm particularly interested in the issue where you're you know you're the son of or the grandson of the name on the oh, door yeah, yeah. how do yeah. you because that, that's that's a challenge that a lot of people never have to deal with yes look that's that's more an insecurity than anything else so I just don't like the idea that someone would whisper behind my back that any success I might have enjoyed 
might have been, oh, that's just because of blah. You know, that's 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 merely because of um, the accident of birth. That's that's uh, that's sort of giving him a certain family and a certain surname. And so I've got an insecurity about being perceived that way. And that's that's partly the motivation. I'm I, like I'm sure if we cut my brain open, we'd find that's partly the motivation for going and doing a pretty weird and wacky way of approaching. You know, the way to market a law firm is a way to differentiate myself from anything that's come before. But my dad, and look, I'm still dealing with a lack of sleep, so forgive me if I burst into tears on you, Grant. <laughs> my dad is one of the greatest people of all time, and I'll, and I'll cry about it another time. But to the extent that I got to work in the same profession as him and, and for a time in the same firm as him and, and was a person obviously influenced by him, chose the same career, that has been one of the massive joys and I'll use the word privilege, but I guess not in that negative context we had it before, but in that very positive, wonderful um, sense of, of being able to work, work, work with your dad. That's just been magic. So there certainly have been insecurities about like, oh, I don't want to be judged on being from a legal family or having the same surname as whoever. Um, that's a genuine insecurity and, you know, it happens. And <laughs> the proof that it happens is that it has happened to me and that's fine, that's life. There's also that wonderful side of... Um, you know, being able to work with your dad, which is a, which is a, and, and getting to understand why he's a respected professional, like being able to see him on the tools and being like, oh, wow, that's why people say you're good. You, you, you know, I get it. That's a massive privilege that I'm grateful for every time I think about it. It's really sort of wonderful, positive thing if that, if your relationship with your, your parents and indeed your siblings and whatnot when you're working together can, can be so can be positive because sometimes it's not. Sometimes sometimes it's very far from that. Now, I, know, I know. Now, James, I've got uh, two more easy questions for you before I hit you with yeah. with, with the hard one. Uh, yeah. First one: Where do you see yourself taking your? Loosely call it podcasting, uh, multimedia yeah. sort of career in the in the medium term. Nowhere apart from forward, if that makes sense. I see it as a means for generating work for a legal practice. So a lot of people have asked, like, are you going to write a book or are you going to quit and try to do media stuff? For um, my wife uses, has this great metaphor called barefoot lawyer which I think is a really excellent idea, but it's just one that doesn't excite me. And so the thing that excites me is generating corporate and commercial litigation work and doing that. So so sort of my short and medium-term goal is, is sort of more of the same, if that, if that makes sense. I've set my retirement age of 72, and basically the idea of doing what I do now for another 33 years is actually somewhat exciting. So at the moment, I'm... Gosh, we keep saying fortunate and privileged, don't we? Lots of lots of back padding going on well, here, Grant. I'm but, sorry, but 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 but, it's, but that's that's very much where my head's at. Yeah, well, that, I, I think that's great. I think uh, I'll take issue with you in one thing: your media mm. your media career is obviously not only um, generating work for um, 
for a legal firm because we have spoken. You know something I don't know here, Grant. Hang on, well, you tell me. <laughs> well, what what what's Spooko's part of your media media career? Oh, Spooko, yes. And and hey, and, we got sponsored by Reshes, Grant. Have I told you this? No, but. Uh, the- the fantastic, yeah. glorious beer here in New South Wales, Reshers, sent us some free Reshers because we shouted them out on the podcast. So you're right. Oh, that's fantastic. another professional hey, Well, so that's great. Well, I I can remember a day when nobody would have touched Reshers, but uh, <gasps> apparently, Perish the thought. yeah, but but <laughs> apparently Reshers is now a very quality uh, quality beverage to be enjoyed by everyone north of the Murray. Um, yes, Spooko fans especially. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the the next question, and and mm. the re- the reason I was disappointed that you didn't include Spooko in your world view of your media. Career. Oh, sorry. So well, then let me just add it on. Yes, certainly including Spooko. Yes. Um. <laughs> so I want to have lots of podcasts, and so it's important for everyone to have a thousand podcasts. So. <laughs> What's the scariest movie you've ever had described to you? I'll come back to that. Can I start with worst? Yes. Worst worst is this film called The Human Centipede. Oh yeah, no, um, that's a I'll, shocker. Yeah, no, we, we yeah, which, which no. you probably you, like, it, you don't want me to go in here. I think uh, everyone uh, listening, uh, do not Google yeah, it. Do yeah. not investigate yes. it at all. Yes, just pretend uh, you didn't hear uh, me say uh, that. Okay. I would, I think many, many, many people are kind of aware of it, and it's been—it's sort of a pop pop culture icon. Yeah. It's always referenced in films and whatnot. But yeah, do not Google. Ugh. Yeah, based based on the Wikipedia synopsis that was read to me, yeah, do not like the amount you know now is enough. Anyone yeah. listening, you already know enough. It's fine. Yeah. Do not investigate it any further. Yes, the one that freaked me out the most was probably Rosemary's Baby. Grant, like, and and I suspect that might sound weird. I'm not sure if you're a horror movie person, but just the degree of gaslighting, the the degree of power exerted. Look, look, Grant, you and I are feminists or male feminists or allies or however we'll describe ourselves. Just the most aggressive and pervasive gaslighting and deception of this woman who was drugged and the victim of sexual assault and all these horrible, awful things under the veneer of this beautiful New York apartment building. Like I I just found found it chilling to hear and it still chills me now because, again, it's one of those horror films that's not the slasher running around with the knife or whatever, you know, going off to the hell dimension with Pinhead or whatever. It's it's just like, wow, it's, you know, terrific, terrific. Rosemary's Baby. It's a very, very challenging film to watch. I um, I, uh, I, I, I have attempted to watch it many times, and only once mm. have I ever got through it because it is super confronting and a triumph in many ways for the fact that it mm. it got made and it and it hangs together the way it does. But yeah, it's um disturbing is probably the the and and. As a male, I think we experience the movie in a very different way than than I think women would. Um, I can I can imagine it's yeah. um, now no, just um look so, so sorry to bring the mood down. No, no, <laughs> so well, what was quite a fun question. But, um, yeah, yay! <laughs> hey, yeah. we're back. Yeah. All right. Well, last question, James, and mm. I have I have to preface this to all the guests because. The answer to this is not yes. not 
your wife and kids or anything like that, okay? okay? Because we're actually exploring um, the sort of concept about sliding doors and all that kind of stuff and about how how everybody's life is everybody's life is is a journey and um what is the best decision that you ever made in your life no no and then you raise the sliding doors analogy because firstly questions like this fill me with anxiety right because sliding door style I don't know what would have happened. I could have made the different decision that would have been the right decision, but I got run over by a bus yeah, going to collect my winning lottery but, ticket or whatever. But your, right. but your perspective today, where you are now, your perspective today is the correct is the correct one. Yes, you must be right. Gosh, this is so challenging. Um, the decision to can I just restrict it to a professional setting? Because I'll start no, bending my, bending no, my brain around. No, no I can't. No, okay, no. cool. No, because, um, because the question is really specific. It's what's the best decision you have ever made? I'm not allowed to say getting married to, to the specific person well, that I, I chose well, to Well, look, I, I, would accept getting, I would accept getting married, but, but what, what I want to avoid with, with yes. this question is, ah, you know, it's kind of like people people have taken it as what's the best thing that's ever happened. Oh, it's definitely meeting my wife. No, 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 no. Because that's, that's something that has happened along. The decision to get married might might validly be the best one. Yeah, well, then the, the decision to get married to the specific person I decided to get married to is the best decision I've ever made. Yeah, that's like that's super easy. So if I'm allowed to do that, Grant, that's super easy. Uh, and then you know we can put some other fences around it for me to try to give you anything else, but but no, look, it's, it, it, that's it's, uh, easy. Number one, numbers one through a million. Yeah, and um, uh, the the interesting thing that I get from that question is that everybody everybody attaches a different importance to the best. Yeah, okay. you know, and and there's different consequences to different decisions. Some people some people haven't had calamitous kind of stuff or or you know yeah so that's your answer that's yours you own it it's and it's the right answer to it (laughs) that's right and it's the right answer hopefully james if we do this again in 35 years the answer will be the same (laughs) because because I, i because i reckon if i interviewed james packer eight years ago and i interviewed him today He'd have different, different, different marriages to talk about. <laughs> well, and, uh, the, the perspective and, uh, might the, be might be very different. Is it, his but, casino decision making and his mates in Hong Kong may not be as close as uh, they were then. Yeah, no, that's definitely <laughs> right. Actually, I know what his answer would be. So, James, what's the best decision you have ever made? My medication doesn't allow me to recall that. I can't oh, remember. Like, and. and and the and the commission is one of the best lawyers the state's seen as well. That that was grim. Oh, that was grim. Oh, grim. that was um, Commissioner Burger. She's amazing, mate. That 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 was fig jam on toast. That was so good. Right, look, look, here we are. We're nerds. I, I logged on to watch that questioning. That was sensational. Nice. That was. We should do the shark. The, 
the schadenfreude podcast grant it'll be good just like enjoying um, someone else's I, pain I, I, I think I've, there's a market there i've got you in mind for one that we're trying to get <laughs> together when 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 the sunday afternoon lunch is more a thing again so four four lawyers and and and, and a bottle of grog so uh, sounds yeah. sounds very civilized grant <laughs> well it, it it's a it's a provisional yes, unless you've got anyone there who ranks Michael Vaughan's cover drive above oh, Mark Wars, which is another niche podcast. That it's going to be one of those yeah, things. It's going to be one of those things with an endless revolving cast because <laughs> because everybody's busy. But yeah, mm. we're we're, we're working. The team and I are working on that one. Hey, I love it. My <laughs> people talk to your people. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> well, James- hey, Grant, can I ask a favour? Can I? Can I do if you're if you need me out of here? Can I just ask um, I don't, if anyone? I don't need you. I, I don't need a shout out. Or yeah, yeah, you go for it. I'm not. I'm only. I'm only winding. I'm only doing the wind up because I'm thinking you've got Christmas presents to wrap and what. <laughs> no, look, it actually reaches back to a, a different part of our conversation. I've got work to do. It's coming up on. Five past ten, um, and there's just a little bit more stuff I got to get done before. Yeah, you got to get the bills out tomorrow. You got to get the bills out tomorrow to meet December budget. Yeah. Yes, I have to tell you about the state of my fingernails another time. But um, but but, but Grant, I'm really great grateful to you for 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 taking the time and for having me on. Like I'm really excited to to hear this and hear what other guests you've got on. It's a it's a great project. It's a, it it's a kind of a um. It's a bit of an experiment for me because I think long form podcasting is really good. Yep. And and I always kick against everyone. Oh, 45 minutes, it's got to be 45 minutes. How the hell could we have got uh, to anything in 45 minutes? You know, um, correct. And we barely started. And what, what I hope people will do is they'll listen, they'll get to know me, they'll get to know you, and hopefully they're going to be like you. They're going to, they can't wait to hear. The futurist. They can't wait to hear the marketing strategist. They can't wait to hear the conservationist. They can't wait to hear the passionate migration lawyer. I got a I got a stack coming up, and I've I've put my sights fairly high. I've reached out to um, you know people like Greta Thunberg, and I'm hoping that we. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Greta will hop on. That'd be great. Should be a good get. Should be a well, good get. I'm I'm interested in people who are doing things. I'm not interested in people who are saying things. Yep. This almost winds back to our thought leadership chat earlier. Yeah. Frankly, we're almost coming full circle. But I should say, I should I should get a plug in because apparently I'm bad at doing plugs. But if anyone's interested in my thought thought leadership, um, Coffee and a Case Note is the podcast. And if you search Coffee and a Case Note anywhere, should be on and LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and, everywhere. I'll and, be there. And your love artwork, to, your artwork's me. great. It's got a dark background with a big white C. So, do you know what that is, Grant? Like that—that that was me googling C with the Helvetica font. Yeah, doing a just save the image and just that that's it that's all it is it's just the helvetica c because i was panicking trying to get the podcast out of that and i was like i'm not paying for artwork or spending any time on this (laughs) well i'm just going to take a screenshot of a c well if you go with that if you had have got someone on fiverr you would have got a c (laughs) with 
wearing headphones and a microphone stuck in, yes. in there. You know, it's like, like a graffiti scene. Oh, the I'll most ridiculous uh, stuff. So, look, it 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 works because it's um it's striking. It's it comes up big That's on cool. most of your uh, most podcasts. <laughs> it comes up big, yeah. and uh, look, I, I can highly recommend it, even if you've got no interest in the law generally. Um, mm. It's really intriguing to know how disputes are settled and they can, or not settled is the wrong word, determined. Determined, determined. Grant. Yes, you have been listening. Thank and, you. <laughs> and, and that they can turn on the most unusual things. And uh, if you're in business and you're going to buy a business or you're going to buy anything or you're going to enter any kind of agreement, Hey, get some advice because it can be really, really costly if you don't. Okay. You want to speak to my friend down the hall about advice beforehand or you got to speak to me about the advice you didn't get afterwards and that's always the, the carrot and the stick. But, Grant, thank you. That's a very kind shout-out. That's awesome. Well, it's been, it's been great, James. I, I anticipated that you would be an entertaining uh, lawyer <laughs> when I looked you up. Uh, I haven't been disappointed. I hope. No, ev- good. <laughs> I, I hope anybody who has um, got this far agrees. So yeah, look up James. Uh, you'll find YouTube if you're a LinkedIn user. He's all over LinkedIn, and of course, there's all the channels for the podcast. Yeah, what are we up to? TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere. Good fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I haven't. I haven't got to the. Uh, TikTok, I uh, somehow somehow talks. Oh, somehow. Grant, do, can I can I give you the sales pitch on TikTok now? Um, like any new social media platform that you haven't used yet, you're not going to get it for the first half hour. It's just going to be like looking at a different language, and so just be be patient with it. And once you've been patient with it and you've liked some stuff and watched some stuff, the algorithm will know you well enough to just serve you what you like. So now the algorithm just serves me like 15-second second videos about cooking, 15-second videos about beer and wine and whiskey reviews, 15-second sports videos of basketball dunks and stuff, um, or rap. And that's oh. just like it just keeps rotating through this because oh. the algorithm knows me well and it's become my favourite time-wasting app. Oh, if anyone I've, likes wasting time and being served by a good algorithm, TikTok is for you. I've been approaching TikTok more as a creator and been trying to work out how do how does my my ultra cynical view of the world um, mesh with with TikTok? And I, and I often think the world does not need another fifty plus white opinionated man at yes, this time. Yes. <laughs> Yes, look, I I can't necessarily speak against that. So I'll just speak practically, which is to say, just lurk on it for half an hour, Grant. Search stuff you're interested in. Search famous people you like. You'll find it there, you know. you get a vibe how it goes. Oh, yeah, I I, I, I do. I I do. um, I'm I'm a TikTok voyeur and I've got my favourites. But, uh, yeah, I I, I always grapple with it. How, How can I be involved? You know, how can I be involved? Sorry. Just dive in, Mr. Williams. That's the advice that you would give someone else, I'm sure. And so that's the advice I'll give you. No, no. I, I would say plan it, then dive in. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, James Deppesey, thanks. This has been... Thank you, Grant. What, what has this been, been James? Not just... Oh, Alan, Grant, help me. Not just another podcast. Exactly. Not another podcast. Not just another podcast. Not just another podcast. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the chat with James and you got some ideas about how your business could benefit from podcasting and then how... You personally, you can develop just through podcasting. Of course, the links to Coffee in a Case Note and Spooko are in the show notes, so you can follow James up. Uh, also, if you're on LinkedIn and you just search James Dapache, you'll find him. The next episode is not about podcasting at all. It's about somebody who has spent their working life making a difference in conservation uh, somebody I had really, really, really wanted to chat with for a long time and I'm really glad that they gave me the opportunity and I'm sure you'll learn a lot about what it takes to make a difference and more than anything, hopefully you'll just enjoy it. I'm Grant Williams. This has been Not Just Another Podcast and hopefully you'll join me next time.